section twenty of neighbourhood a year's life in and about an english village by tickner edwards this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter ten october part two in no wise intending to disturb the gypsies i nevertheless took the short cut over the green passing in the darkness close by their queer spindle-shanked top-heavy dwelling as i cut through the beam of light that poured from the doorway a suave voice hailed me hi my man just a moment now Gruz, your difficulty is at an end i have intercepted one of the inhabitants and doubtless he will yes inquire of him very politely now where we may obtain water the long lean man had blundered into the light beside me carrying two pails he was clothed in little better than rags from head to foot a massive gold watch-chain glittered across his buttonless waistcoat he turned upon me two gaunt diffident eyes water he hesitated holding out the pails helplessly before him w water you know could you be so kind as to the suave flute-like voice sounded again from the depths of the caravan now Gruz, if i am to carry out the little supper scheme i explained to you no time must be lost when once they are peeled potatoes should never the owner of the voice appeared in the doorway dear dear my good fellow there you are still standing there and i fully impressed it upon you that if rabbit is permitted to bake one moment longer then Gruz, give me those pails but the long lean man had drawn me precipitately away as we hurried across the green together in the direction of the well-house he seemed to consider himself under some necessity of explanation it is his caravan he said spellthorns you know and i am travelling with him for a bit because i was run down and and other things one of the best fellows breathing he is though you mightn't i mean i so often forget what i of course i really don't wonder that sometimes he why i have forgotten to unharness the horse do remind me will you when we get back but quietly you understand spellthorn he is the best fellow breathing but oh is this the well it is most kind of you i'm sure he seemed in so strained and nervous a mood that i did not trust him to handle the heavy bucket and chain nor to return unaided to the caravan with his burden when we drew into the beam of light again i could see spellthorn inside stooping over the little cooking-stove in his shirt-sleeves and a great sombrero if anything his clothes were even more tattered and soiled than his companions at sound of our clanking pails he turned 
stared then swept me a low bow with the sombrero thoughtless very thoughtless indeed most selfish of grues he said confidentially for the long lean man had hurried away to attend to the horse a good fellow such a good fellow you cannot think but he has this little failing of sometimes taking advantage of any kindness that but excuse me i must get the potatoes on i had hardly gone a dozen paces towards home when i heard him pounding after me what is the name he asked breathlessly of of this village and when i had told him there are beautiful old cottages here are there not and quaint people and charming country round about such a spot isn't it where two artists could find incessant inspiration and and but the question had been put to me before and too often well i don't know said i discouragingly the place is very quiet and humdrum and most inconvenient no railway and no roads to anywhere and the very place he broke in delightedly i shall persuade poor grues to remain here with me for a month and when i took a last look at the night some hours after i beheld the faint glow from the windows of the caravan upon the green with dismal foreboding a month of that prospect and not only that but something worse for upon the wings of the slow night wind there drifted over to me the mournful thrumming of a guitar as it has turned out the caravanners have proved very little trouble to any and to myself least of all in a day or two they moved down to the riverside choosing one of the wildest and leafiest corners of the old abandoned chalk quarry and for a week past i have seen nothing of them but a wisp of blue smoke from afar and indeed october in the country if your design is to keep step and step with the month through all its bewildering changes leaves you but scanty leisure for social traffic with your kind every day now there is something new to wonder at and ponder over today the gossamer was flying if you stood in one of the low-lying sheltered meadows and turned your back to the light the air seemed full of those ashen grey flecks some only the merest threads others of the breadth of a finger and several inches long i have always believed that the gossamer spiders sit in the hedgerows spinning these fairy draperies and letting them go upon the breeze to little more use and purpose than when a child blows soap bubbles for the mere delight of watching them soar at least what end could possibly be served by them other than the sufficient and obvious one of bringing a note of austere chilly delicacy into the riotous colour of an october day
but idling along this morning with literally thousands of these grey filaments tempering the rich gold of the sunshine far and near i chanced to stretch forth a hand and capture one of them between my fingers there hung a shred of fabric infinitely finer than anything that ever came from loom devised by man and within it sat the gossamer spider herself a shining black atom evidently vastly surprised and alarmed at the sudden termination of her flight after that i pulled down a score or so of these gossamer airships and although a few were tenantless the most of them bore a passenger embarked on who shall say how long and how hazardous a voyage yet while none fell to earth as i watched but seemed to have the power of rising ever higher and higher it is certain that the gossamer spider's flight must end with each day's sun the heavy autumn dews must sweep the air clear of them at first tinge of dusk if there is anything in the old saying that a plentiful berry harvest foretells a hard winter then have we bitter times in store the hedges are loaded with scarlet wherever you go and yet in all this flaunting brilliance there seems to be no two shades of red alike the hollyberries approach more nearly than any to pure vermilion then come the hips the roseberries with their tawny red and the haws that are richer of hue than all others perhaps yet of a sombreness that quietens the eye for all its glow ruddy are the bryonies and the bittersweet the rowans love to hold aloft their masses of pure flame the rich rowan colour that is always seen against the sky along the edge of the hazel copse where the butcher's broom grows its curious oblong fruit gives another note of red but they are all essentially different colours nature often duplicates herself in blues yellows and particularly in a certain shade of pale purple of which the mallow is a common type but among red flowers red berries finding one you shall not find its exact counterpart in hue in all the countryside in southern england the general lurid effect due to change of leafage in the forest trees belongs of right to november but already there are abundant signs of what is coming though the woods on a distant view still look gloriously green a nearer prospect reveals a touch of autumn in almost every tree in the beech woods nearly all the branches are tipped with brown the elms have bright yellow patches oddly dispersed amidst foliage still of almost summer-like freshness the willows by the river are full of golden pencillings only the oaks remain as yet uninfluenced by the changing times 
the temperate autumn nights that have checked the sap flow of less hardy things have had no influence on the oak woods they wait for the first real frost the knockdown blow and strangely though october is nearing its end the frosts do not come the nights are still moist dark and full of the twanging note of door beetles and now and again the steady whirr of passing wings this is the sound made by the hosts of migrant birds all journeying southward travelling in silence and by stealth of night coming out into the darkness and hearing this mighty rushing note high overhead you get a queer sense of underhand activity and concealed purpose in the world as though scenery were being swiftly changed a new piece hurriedly staged under cover of the blinked lights it tends towards a feeling that is rather foreign not to say humbling to your desires that of being made a spectator rather than a participant in the great earth play or it may have another and a stranger effect the sound of all that strenuous motion the deep travel note high in the darkness may come to you with all the urging inspiration of a summons you may restrain only with difficulty and much assembling of prudence the impulse to gird up and be off southward in the track of the flying host the old nomadic instinct is not dead in humanity as he well knows who keeps his feet to the green places of earth and his heart tiding with the sun now too the brown owl begins his hollow plaint in the woodlands comes to you through the fast falling dusk the direction and intensity of the cry varying with astonishing swiftness as you stop to listen on your homeward way this is conceivably the that shakespeare heard and there is another note which seems to be an answer to it and which sounds something like kawik and might by a stretch be allowed to stand for the to wit in the song but to wit to woo in a single phrase from a single throat that seems to be a piece of owl language that has become obsolete with the centuries there is a stretch of lane here running between high grassy banks densely overshadowed by trees which is always dark on the clearest nights of any season but of a cimmerian blackness on these moonless evenings in late october as if they knew their opportunity for service the glowworms often light up the place from end to end so that it is possible steering by their tiny lamps alone to keep out of the ditch that yawns invisibly on either hand 
i came through the lane this evening and counted near upon a score of these vague blotches of greenish radiance hovering amidst the dew-soaked grass each bright enough to show the time by a watch held near as long as i can remember glow-worms have been plentiful in this stretch of dark overshadowed lane and very scarce in all other quarters of the village new colonies of glow-worms seem difficult to establish although single lights do appear in places where they have not been seen before and in ensuing years appear again and again generally in slowly increasing numbers it is not wonderful that glow-worms should keep to the same grassy bank season after season because as all countrymen know it is only the lampless male that flies the female who bears the light and on whom the persistence of the race depends lives and dies probably within no more than the same few square yards of tangled herbage what seems really wonderful is that single glow-worms of the female sex should occur in places far removed from old resorts of their kind seeing how feeble are their means and how slow their rate of travel i have said that the flocks of birds that can sometimes be heard in the quiet of october nights passing seaward over the village are generally silent save for the dull pulsating roar of their wings as i lifted the latch of the garden gate to-night and stood a moment listening in the darkness the old sound grew out of the silence of the hills and there went swiftly by what seemed only a small flock but now and again as they passed i could hear a note bandied to and fro in the company a chuckling voluble note which i recognised instantly they were fieldfares the first comers of their species from now onward i knew their queer outlandish cry would mingle with the common sounds of the fields and not only theirs but the notes of all other foreign birds that winter here for the fieldfare is generally the last to come this cry in the darkness above me however was strange in a double sense because while the silent hosts were emigrants only at the commencement of their long perilous journey this chattering company had safely arrived at its bourne all the hazards of the voyage happily passed and it seemed only in the way of nature for bird or man to set forth mute of voice upon a difficult and dangerous enterprise while to win through safe and sound must provoke each alike to self-congratulation my fieldfares were hallowering because they were out of the wood End of section twenty